and uh, come to worship with us. So I would invite you to stand as we begin our worship service. So we start with prayer and then we'll sing some songs of praise together. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you for today, for every day we have to live for you. Every day we see your hand in our lives, amazing the blessings and things that you do every day to let us know that we're yours, that you're watching over us, that you have a plan for us, that you're desiring to use us for your service, and we just pray that we would be aware of that, that we would see the things that you set before us that you would have us do, whether it's just our jobs every day or friends and neighbors that uh, need our help or just want to talk. And so many times, so many opportunities you lay before us of things you desire us to do. We thank you again for this morning, this church, Everyone who's here that's a friend of mine that I enjoy speaking with and singing with and catching up on, the, the love you give us for each other outside of this place, we probably wouldn't know each other. We wouldn't have any kind of relationship, and yet in Jesus Christ you take a whole group of people and make them a family, make them care about each other and think about each other and enjoy each other's company. We thank you for that and for what Jesus does in our lives. Pray that you would use our songs, that they would be praise and in your ears, a joyful sound, and that you would use everything that's done today to make us more like Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. So we're going to start with a great hymn. Um, our sermon today is on the high priest Jesus and his um, work in our lives. And right now he is seated at the right hand of God as the king in heaven. And one day he will come here to earth and be king of that as well. So um, all the world will one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and they need to start practicing this song because we are going to crown him with many crowns. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own Awake oh, my soul and sing Of him who died for thee And hail him as thy matchless king Through all eternity Crown him the Lord of love Behold his hands and side Wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight. But downward bends his wondering eye at history so bright. Crown him the Lord of life. Who triumphed o'er the grave Who rose victorious in the strife For those he came to save His glories now we sing Who died and rose on high Who died eternal life to bring And lives that death may die him the Lord of heaven, one with the Father known, one with the Spirit through him give from yonder glorious throne. To thee be endless praise, for thou for us hast died. 
adored and magnified. That's a great truth. Through all eternity, he will be adored and magnified. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. The Romans tells us it's beyond what we can measure height or depth or width. And uh, it's expressed in Jesus Christ giving his life on the cross. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean. as our high priest was um, to bring a sacrifice that he could put the blood on the mercy seat and he chose to do that with his own blood his the greatest sacrifice the perfect sacrifice the spotless lamb who gave his life at the cross And did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a one as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy of the day. Was it for crimes that I have done, he groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross where I first saw the light And the burden of my heart rolled away 
sweep my sight And now I am happy all the day Well, mind the sun in darkness light And shed his glories in When Christ the mighty maker died For man the creature's sin At the cross, at the cross spiritual truth that the Bible says until we see Christ until we know him we are blind we are spiritually blind we can't see the real truth that's there before us but Jesus Christ opens our eyes and helps us to see the sacrifice he made and the payment for our salvation um, one, one more before um, the sermon before the throne of God above, this is one of my favorite, uh, unusual, it's an unusual hymn, you don't hear it very often, I don't even know if it's in our hymnal or not, but it's a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ beside God the Father sitting on his throne, and he is our advocate, that as Satan accuses us, as he tries to convince us that we are worthless, that our sins are not taken care of, Jesus stands there to say, I paid for every one of those, and he is mine before the throne of God. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. The great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, but I look and see him there Who made an end of all my sin Because a sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the just is satisfied To look on him and pardon Pardon me. 
behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace, one with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God, one with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my In the book of Hebrews, the author talks about Jesus Christ being the way for us to come within the veil. We're not Jewish, so we may not be real familiar with that, but the temple and the tabernacle, when they were built, they were divided into two sections. The holy place that the priests would go in and, and burn incense and do other things, but the Holy of Holies was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was and the mercy seat. And only one man, the high priest, could go in one time a year and sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on that to pay for the sins of Israel. Well, the day that Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple, it says, was torn from the top to the bottom and spread open. <laughs> that we had access. The Jews could not imagine that anybody could go into the Holy of Holies and come into God's presence. But because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice, he is, the Hebrew says, an anchor for us within the veil that we can come into Jesus' presence at any time because of what he's done. And this is a great song called Within the Veil. <clears throat> of mercy and of grace drawn to my father's warm embrace I come to see my Savior's face within the veil within the veil I can approach the mercy seat within the veil within the veil where my atonement is complete within of mercy and of grace drawn to my father's warm embrace I come to see my Savior's face within the veil within the veil I bring a sacrifice of praise within the veil within the veil my heart and hands to him I raise within the veil because of mercy and of grace, drawn to my Father's warm embrace, I come to see myself. 
Because of mercy and of grace, drawn to my Father's warm embrace, I come to see my Savior's face within the veil, within the Good morning. Today's reading is in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, beginning in the 19th verse. Feel free to read along, follow along in a Bible you have uh, with you or one in the pews or uh, be blessed by listening. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from any an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Father God, thank you that as uh, Steve sang in his song and as we read here in God's word that that because of your sacrifice on the cross, one of the many blessings is that we can approach the king of the universe in an intimate conversation. We can be honest with him. We can be sincere with him. We can show him all the skeletons in our closet. We can show him all our hurts and, and our habits and hang-ups, Lord, and get healing from him. Um, and, and Lord... We can have faith in him, the fact that, that as many promises of, an, of eternal life with him, of a power to overcome the world, that all of those promises are true. Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you in music and the reading of your word and the preaching of the same. Um, thank you for Steve, Lord, that uh, he loves your word. And, uh, and, and Lord, he loves you and he loves us. I pray that you'd put in his mind and on his heart what you would have him teach us and give us ears to hear so that we can take to heart um, what, we, uh, what we hear. In your name we pray, amen. Mitt is a little selfish doing a uh, special when you're preaching too, but I thought it was a, <laughs> a song that was very special to the what we're looking at today. Um, our sermon today is about the high priest, Jesus Christ, our, high, our great high priest. And the last couple of sermons I did were on the... Uh, jobs that Jesus has done, his resume, and one of those was the high priest. But there's so much, we just covered just a little bit as we went through that, and there's so much to his work as high priest for us that I felt like I wanted to do a whole sermon on that. And so we're going to look at the book of Hebrews today. Um, actually, chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10, there are four whole chapters in the book of Hebrews that talk about Jesus Christ as our high priest and all the things that he does for us as our great high priest. And the word, I don't know how many times it's in that. I looked up last night. The word better is used 12 times in the book of Hebrews as he's talking about Jesus, how he is better, he is greater. He is the high priest, greater than anything that was before him. And the Jews, the high priest that they had, he, he takes in this book comparing all of them and the differences in 
the ministry they had and the way they ministered and the type of people they were, the character that they had versus Jesus Christ and his character and, and the things that he did as high priest. So he goes into a lot of great detail of what these priestly duties were. It was written to Jews, obviously. The book Hebrews was written to Hebrews. And because they were so familiar with the Old Testament, he could take all of the Old Testament types and pictures that God had put in there and explain how Jesus Christ fulfilled each one of those. It reminds me of when Jesus, after he was resurrected from the dead, if you recall, he was walking on the road to Emmaus. And two people were walking along, and all of a sudden Jesus joined them, and they were talking about all the things that had happened, how Jesus had been crucified and how horrible it was, and they didn't know what was going to happen to them now and stuff. And Jesus asked them what they were so upset about, and they explained. And then it says he started from Moses and went through the whole Old Testament, the prophets, explaining to them how the Messiah must suffer and how he must die. So he was just giving them his whole story. He just started in, in with Moses and said, this is what was supposed to happen, and this is how this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now a type, we're going to get into this a little bit, a type is a divinely placed illustration of a truth. I'll give you some examples. The Passover lamb, it had to be a pure, perfect lamb that was sacrificed, and as you recall, the Jews had to take the blood and put it on the doorpost on the top and the bottom in the shape of a cross. It was pointing to the fact that one day Jesus Christ would come, the Lamb of God, who would die for the sins of Israel and give them safety, give them redemption. Um, you recall the brass serpent, and Jesus even used this one, and, and when the Jews were in the wilderness wandering, they were attacked by these serpents, and when they got bit, they would die. And so there was a great, you know, everybody's screaming, they don't know what to do. God told Moses he made a serpent made out of brass, and he put up on a pole, and he said, whoever looks up in there at that serpent and believes will be healed, and they won't die. When Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, he said, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness... I'm going to be lifted up too on a cross, and everyone who looks and believes to that will be saved. A type. The last one I thought of is Abraham, when you remember he was going to sacrifice his son. So he takes Isaac with him, who was probably a teenager at the time, carrying the wood, carrying the fire. They're going to the, to the altar, and his son looks and he says, Dad, we got some wood, and we got a fire. What, what are we going to do about a sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. God sent his own son to die for us. So in the Old Testament, there were types that represented what Jesus would be and how he would serve as the different things that he did for us as our Savior, our High Priest, and so those types are explained in Hebrews as he goes through, and we're going to look at some of those today. Um, when God first called Israel to be his people, he gave them a system of law, of, of guidelines to live by. It was called the law. They had the Ten Commandments, and they had thousands of other laws and regulations they had to live by for them to understand what had to be done and what those laws meant, God gave them priests. Those priests were designed to interpret the law and to help to make the sacrifices for the people, to be their mediator between God and man. And the first one was Aaron. He was the mediator that God chose and sanctified him and his sons after him. Um, Every priest after Aaron that came into being in Israel was a direct descendant of Aaron, and only the sons of Aaron could be priests. No one else was allowed. Now, 
God in the New Testament created a new covenant. And in that covenant, he's given a new system that we're supposed to live by, and that one's called grace. (laughs) It's much better than the old one. The law, you had to live by yourself. You had to grit your teeth and try and live whatever it was. And the only alternative you had was sacrifices had to be made for your sins. You had to depend on the sacrifice of a blood of a, of, of a lamb or a goat to cover your sins. Cover them was the word that was used. It didn't take them away, but it covered them. In the New Testament, we're living by grace. We don't have to do it under our own power. God puts his spirit inside of us. We don't have to depend on a sacrifice we have to bring and put on an altar. Jesus Christ was that perfect sacrifice put on the cross once and for all. So grace is a much greater system that we're living under. Jesus is the great high priest in that system. The Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Well, Jesus was after a priestly order too, but it wasn't the Aaronic priesthood. Jesus was not a direct descendant of Levi and of Aaron, Jesus was, it says in Hebrews, after the order of Melchizedek. How many of y'all ever heard of Melchizedek? Okay, good. It's not a, not a, 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 a guy that comes up very often in scriptures. In the Old Testament, there's literally only two verses that talk about Melchizedek. Two verses. And the whole of the Old Testament, well, I take that back, Psalm 110 has it too, so we'll look at that. But if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20, we'll look at Melchizedek real quick. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. So the background of this is Abraham and Lot have come to the promised land. They had a falling out because they had so many cattle and everything else to take care of. They couldn't be in the same spot. They were overriding it. So Lot went to another place. He went to Sodom and Sodom and Gomorrah to live there. And Abraham lived in his place. So the kings who were in that district came and decided they were mad at Sodom and took it captive. And they took everybody who was there, all the women, all the children, Lot, all of their goods, and hauled them off as loot and started back to their kingdom. Well, Abraham hears about this, so he's got to go save his uh, cousin, I believe, or nephew, nephew, Lot. So he takes all of his servants, and he goes after Lot, and he catches up with the bad guys, the bad kings, and he defeats them, and he takes all the loot back from them so that Lot and his families and everybody can go back to Sodom. Well, all of a sudden, after this has happened, somebody shows up in the middle of all this. Out of nowhere, verse 18, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abraham, and of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So Melchizedek apparently was a king. We'll find out as we look in Hebrews, his name means king of righteousness. He was the king of Salem, which means king of peace. And he was a priest of the Most High God. You've got to wonder, where is this, where's somebody come from out of nowhere that's a priest of the Most High God? Well, Noah was the one righteous man who came out of the flood. And his sons would have populated the earth, and they would have still followed God. He made an altar and started sacrificing to God as soon as he got out of the ark. I don't know if you're aware of this. If you look at the genealogies, Abraham was 85 years old when Noah died. Pretty close together, huh? You think he didn't hear the stories? You think he didn't see what was going on? You think the whole world back then didn't hear and tell stories of Noah and everybody maybe come to see him? Maybe this priest came from one of the lineage of, had to have come from the lineage of Noah and was aware of what God had done 
and of who the great high priest, who the great God, the, the God of all the earth, the true God was, and he was a priest to the Most High God. So he came and blessed Abraham at that time. There's one other section that talks about this, and it talks about Jesus being named to the priesthood of Melchizedek, and that's found in Psalm 110. So if you want to turn to Psalm 110 real quick, we'll look too at Melchizedek and how Jesus is after the priesthood of Melchizedek. It's a short psalm, so I'll read the whole thing real quick. It says, The Lord said to my Lord, this is a messianic psalm, God saying to Jesus Christ, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Talking about Jesus becoming the Messiah and ruling on the earth. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. And the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning you shall you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. This is God swearing or an oath that Jesus will be the great high priest. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will execute kings in the day of his wrath. He'll judge among the nations. He'll fill the places with dead bodies, execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink the brook by the wayside, therefore he shall lift up his head. So in the midst of Psalms, this is the only psalm that we know of and the only other place in the Old Testament that it talks about Melchizedek. All of a sudden, not only is he a priest of the Most High God who kind of appears out of nowhere and blesses Abraham, but now, according to David, God has taken his Messiah, Jesus, and made him a priest, a great high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. So we're going to find out when we look in the book of Hebrews, starting in verse chapter 7, why God chose Melchizedek, why he used that type and that person to represent Jesus and give him that priesthood, not after the Aaronic priesthood, after the priesthood of the law, but after the priest of the Most High God. So Melchizedek, according to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 to 3, he's going to tell us, why God chose Melchizedek and what kind of type he is of, of the high priest. This Melchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who made Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom this priest also Abraham gave a tenth part of everything, first translated, his name means king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Now the reason that God chose Melchizedek is in the next verse, the type that he made him. He's without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So that doesn't mean that Melchizedek didn't have a father and a mother, and it doesn't mean that he lived forever. It means that God chose someone and brought him on the scene and told us nothing about him. He didn't show that he had a father and a mother to show where his genealogy had come from. And so he could become a priest that, as a type, has no beginning, no ending. He comes on the scene from nowhere, and he never stops. He doesn't have this lineage that goes way back. Jesus is made a priest after the order of Melchizedek by an oath chosen by God specifically for that. So that's why God chose to bring one man, one priest, Melchizedek, out of nowhere in the middle of all this to be a type, to be a picture of who he would bring later on, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that he would be a high priest, a great high priest, after that same order, the order of Melchizedek. So now he starts to look at the difference in the Aaronic priesthood and why they are inferior to Jesus 
as the Melchizedekan priesthood. Start in chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, actually verse 4. As he describes the Aaron's priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, he says, No man takes this honor to himself, but he was called just as Aaron was called. And if you go back in the Old Testament, when God decided to give the law and make the priesthood, he chose Aaron, and he consecrated him, and he said, from now on, all of your sons will become priests after you. But Jesus, verses 5 and 6, in comparison to the Aaron priesthood, says, Christ did not glorify himself to be made a great high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As it also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus was chosen by God, not just the way Aaron was, even beyond that. He was given by an oath, and he wasn't just a man that God chose to be the priest and to start the priest lineage. He was a son that God begot and allowed to become the great high priest that Jesus is. Chapter 7, verse 23, he talks about the Aaronic priesthood. There were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. I don't know about you, but at different times in my life, I've had people that I depended on who either left moved away, stopped, I'm thinking of doctors, dentists, people. They, cha- they retire, they die. You've got to go looking for a new one. You know how hard that is to try and find somebody that, that, that you like, that you care about. Imagine you're a Jew and you've got a priest who you've known all your life and he's been making your sacrifices for you. He's circumcised your sons. He has been there when family members have died and all of a sudden he's gone he dies and now some new kid some whippersnapper comes out of nowhere and he's your new priest what do you know about him nothing how do you feel that'd be hard to start all over again with somebody and that was the tragedy of the ironic priesthood they just had to have new priests time and time again every son would be born and die and a new priest would take his place but the high priest we have, it's not like that. We don't have to break a new high priest in every few years because of something happening. Our priest is different. Verses 24 and 25. But he, our high priest, Jesus Christ, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he's also able to save to the uttermost or to the very end, to the finish those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You don't have to worry that some priest is going to forget who you are. You know, you get to heaven and say, uh, uh, you remember me, don't you? I don't know who I No, 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 no. Our high priest that's in heaven for us, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's going to see our salvation through from the very inception when he calls us to himself, when he saves us, when he redeems us, all the way to one day, he makes us like himself and he gives us a new body and he lets us live in his very presence. He's going to see us through to the uttermost. That's the difference in the priesthood of the Aaron and the priesthood of Melchizedek and Jesus Christ. Look in chapter 8, verses 5, talks about the Aaronic priesthood. It says that they served the copy and the shadow of heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For God said to him, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. If you've ever studied the tabernacle, it was not really a very impressive thing. It was a tent. It was covered with different covers of lamb's wool and goat's hair and seal skins And it was made out of wood covered with gold. And even the temple, I mean, it was a a pretty nice temple that they built. But the tabernacle was just an image, an image of what God 
had in heaven. We don't understand. I don't know what the tabernacle is like in heaven, but it says there's a tabernacle there, and Moses made this one as just a shadow, a, a little bit of what the real one is. And so they're serving in just a copy, a cheap copy. But Jesus is seated on the throne at the real tabernacle. He, he went into the very presence of God in the real tabernacle where the true mercy seat is for us. And he serves as our high priest there in the true tabernacle, not in a copy that's somewhere. Verse 7 says, talks about the covenant that God has made, the, the law and the priesthood that accompanied that. The first if that first covenant had been faultless, there'd been no reason to make a second one. But verse 6 of Jesus says we've obtained a more excellent ministry. He's the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. It goes back to the law versus grace. The law was dependent on yearly sacrifices again and again, reminding you of your sins that were just covered, never taken away, versus the sacrifice of Jesus on a cross that took care of our sins forever. Not only that, but makes us righteous, as righteous as he is, to be able to stand before God. That's the difference in the covenant that Jesus represents, the grace versus the covenant that the Aaronic priesthood represented in the law. Chapter 10, he talks about the access that the priesthood had to God. Um, actually, look at chapter 9, verses 6 to 8, as far as the Aaronic priesthood. When these things had been prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing services. They would go in and change the showbread, they would trim the wicks on the candlestick. They would light incense on the incense altar. But that was as far as the normal priest went. But the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing that the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. So you got a priest, the normal priests, they would cast lots, and one time a year, one would be named the, the high priest. One time a year on the Day of Atonement, a sacrifice would be made, and that priest would take blood from the goat. He would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and the sins of Israel would be covered for that year. One man, one time a year. Doesn't seem like much of an access to God, does it? People certainly didn't see any of that. Not only that, you'll find this fascinating. When the priestly garments were given by God, they put little bells on the bottom of the great high priest's robes you know why so they could hear him when he was in the in the holy of holies that he was still moving around that he hadn't done something wrong and that god hadn't struck him dead in the holy of holies and they used to tie a rope around his leg so they could pull him out if something happened i don't know that i would want to get the lot on that <laughs> I don't know that's such a privilege to get that lot, but it was to go into the high priest. But think of that. One man, one time a year in, in total fear, thinking that he's actually that, for that one man, he could actually open that, that veil and step through and see the holy of holies and see the altar and sprinkle the blood and come back out. But nobody else got to go. Nobody else got to see no one else had access to God, but only him. Look in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. So what part of what Jeff read this morning. 
Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You realize that because of the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed, you can come into the Holy of Holies anytime you want. Think of that. We can come into the presence of God and Jesus Christ 24-7. And the only reason we can do that is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We have no righteousness on our own, no right to go there. But our great high priest made a sacrifice that tore the temple veil from top to bottom and said, you may come in because of our great high priest. We have access to the very presence of God. Then how about the sacrifices that they bring? That's the last thing I want to talk about is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Let's talk about the priests. It says, Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. The priests on the days that sacrifices were made, which was you know, pretty much all the time. were covered with blood all the time. They had to kill animals and make those sacrifices and put the, 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 those pieces on the altar and burn them and constantly, constantly, constantly just covered in blood, a reminder that it has, we have to keep making these sacrifices again and again to try and cover up these sins just for a little while, just so we can have a little peace but their consciences were never clean. Every time you make that sacrifice, you're reminded, I did that again, again, and again. It never covered, it never took those sins away. It just covered them up for a little while. But, <laughs> look at the next verse, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. If you look at the furniture that was in the tabernacle, there's one piece of furniture you won't find. Anybody know what it is? A chair. Why? Work was never done. You never get to sat down. If you sat down, it meant I'm done. Everything's done. You were never done. Sacrifices had to always be made. Everything had to continually be changed and done again and again. But this man <laughs> sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. The sacrifice was done. It was complete. It was sufficient. No sacrifices had to be made again. No blood has to ever be placed on the, the mercy seat again. It's been done once and for all. Jesus Christ paid the price. Those sacrifices they made, that blood that they shed constantly again and again, it never covered, it never did it. But this man forever sat down. The sacrifice was perfect. That's the hot priest we got. I sure am glad I don't have the other one because he couldn't do anything for me. I'd have to be constantly coming to him and bringing sacrifices to pay for all these sins that I commit, knowing that all it's doing is just putting a, a blanket over it, sweeping it under the rug, covering it for a while. All I could do was look in faith that someday a sacrifice would be made that could really take those sins away. That's what all those sacrifices pointed to. They all pointed to a coming Messiah, a great high priest who would make the ultimate sacrifice for sins that would pay, be paid for forever.
and that was Jesus Christ. And that's the whole reason that the author wrote this book of Hebrews to these people. Look, you remember that Passover lamb? Look, here he is. You remember that sacrifice that was made for your sins? Here he is. You see that veil? And what it told you? It said, you're unworthy. You can't come in. You've got no right to see God. Look what? Rip right down the middle. What that meant. You have a high priest who says, come in to the very presence of God with me who makes atonement for us, who stands and every time Satan accuses us says, I paid for that. That's the great high priest we have. This is from uh, Hebrews 5. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but is was in all points tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can't come to Jesus, our great high priest, and say, you don't understand what I'm going through. You can't. He was there. He did it. He suffered through every temptation, every disappointment, every tragedy, every struggle. And understands perfectly and can empathize perfectly with us. That's the high priest we come to. Let's pray. Father, we cannot praise you enough that you sent your son, that he became our high priest, that you tore that veil right down the middle, that you invite us to come into your presence constantly that we have a high priest who understands everything about us and can comfort us and meet our needs and who still loves us despite all of that. Help us to avail ourselves of that anchor within the veil to, to recognize how often we should be in your presence because you beckon us there. You desire for us to be there. Help us to long to be there and to enjoy every second we have there. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Activity-wise, um, coming up this week, we have Bible study on Wednesday, so if you're able to come out, 645, and then uh, not this coming Saturday, but the next, so two Saturdays away, we'll have a work day if you're available uh, in the morning, 8 to noon, several projects around here to get accomplished, so uh, anytime you can come would be appreciated, and then that Sunday, the 22nd, we'll have Matthew meal, so Hard to believe, first Matthew meal in the year. Uh, mark that one down, that'll be great. And then just wanted to uh, remind us all about uh, safety in and around the church here. I like to do that occasionally, just to remind you out in the parking lot, I'll start out there just to drive at a slow enough speed, especially with children around and uh, you know, making sure you your parking lot is pr plenty wide where you don't have to uh, enter and exit right up against other cars. You know, when you pull out, leave enough room to where you're not going down the row of cars right next to them. Make plenty of space, and that way, if somebody starts out and doesn't see you, they'll, you know, each of you will be able to see each other in enough time to not wreck. So, 
little things like that, just little details. And then inside here uh, in the um, church buildings, just wanted you to know we've replaced some locks to make them easier for you to open. If there was a fire, for example, we had to exit the building. Um, and then just keeping in mind that there are several of us that uh, take on that responsibility of helping in those situations. So if, if something like a fire happened or somebody was causing an issue, you know, some of us, you might hear from us and say, you know, please head towards this end of the building or exit through this door. So we are mindful of that, um, that there needs to be order <laughs> if something like that comes up. And, and if you have any concerns as far as safety around the building, you know, please speak up and let us know know what that might be. We could fix something or have a, a policy or what have you about a certain situation. So just want you to know that we're mindful of it. We try to do our best, and but we need your input too in that area. And then finally, uh, update on uh, Pastor Hogan, uh, his surgery that went on this week. Um, he gave a quick message to me saying that it was successful, uh, that each day he's getting a little bit better, so that's good. He did say there was a little pain. Uh, Marcia was telling me this morning he's taking some Tylenol and uh, dealing with that. But he really appreciates your prayers. Keep praying for him for recovery. That would be great. And then he'll be um, back in a couple weeks. So now we have our last uh, song. And offering-wise, you can give in the box in the back or mail it in or give online. So thank you. Let you know, I consider myself privileged. I was one of the first ones that I heard from Steve. <laughs> he, I don't know why, he had just come out of surgery and he was still groggy and everything, and he called me and he goes, Hi, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. I think everything went well. And just let you know, and he hung up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he knows how to dial a phone even when he's still under sedation, apparently. So. I was excited to hear that, but he's doing well, and i am been, been talking with him as well, so he, I'm sure he appreciates your prayer. So if you'd stand for our last couple of songs. Um, first one is a scripture song taken from 1 John 1, 7 to 9. This is a, a great reminder that um, Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, covers our sins. He promises that all we have to do is simply confess our sins. We don't have to find an animal to sacrifice or anything else, uh, we simply confess. We agree with God that we've done wrong. We ask his forgiveness, and it's gone because he promises to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all of our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all of our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. 
If we confess our sin, He is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. A great hymn. This is a we try and sing a hymn that's like a, "Go Get 'Em, Hen 'Em" at the end, and that's this is a good one. Praise Him, praise Him. We want to be leaving here with praise on our lips for Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Our blessed Redeemer, sing a word His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory, strength and honor give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard His children. In His arms He carries them all day long. Salvation, hail him, hail him, Jesus the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus who wore our sorrows, love unbounded, wonderful, deep and strong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, and your joyful song. Our blessed Redeemer, heavenly portals, power goes out of strange. Jesus, Savior, pray forever and ever. Crown Him, crown Him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Great. Let's close in prayer. Father, we praise You, praise You, because You are our blessed Redeemer. You suffered and bled and died for us, and we cannot praise You enough. Help us this week to, not just with our lips, but with our actions, honor you and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.